All right, so uh, this is uh, Nathan and Ryan here with uh, Geezers of the Games, and today we're going to be talking to Austin Janowski. Um, he is a a uh, comic artist, inker, uh, writer. He's also directed some films, and uh, most excitingly, he's recently starred in a commercial for a, a griddle air fryer with uh, dual Andrew air and fryer. A dual. It has up to twenty three air fryer. <laughs> No, it's only to Blackstone only- Griddle, man, for National Griddle Week. It was awesome. What right. is and National just- Griddle Week? Uh, it's actually a national uh, holiday that they actually try to create. Right. Um, <laughs> but what is- but it's, 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 it's gathered steam, and I actually, it's something that they're going to be doing each year. So, I mean, I mean, every day there you look up, there's like four or five different. It's national this day. It's national that oh, day. National have you seen but that calendar? As excited as we ridiculous. all are about, about griddling, um, that's I actually am. not going to be what we're talking about today. No, no I'm so sorry. Yeah, we're no, mostly going to be talking about um, <laughs> basically telling story because uh, that's what we talk about here is role-playing. And, and Austin has uh, spent a lot of time role-playing, but then also um, how some of the other comic books and just – all different kinds of fiction and how we can uh, use that and telling our stories together. So, uh, you know, as usual, it's uh, Nathan and Ryan and, and uh, Austin. So say hello, Austin. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, man, love role-playing. It's how I kind of started the whole creative juices and how I got started storytelling in the whole nine. So let's talk about it. All right. Excellent. Well, let's start off with a little bit about your background. So you started out in gaming uh, more than 27 years ago. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So always loved fantasy and, and the comic books actually happened a little bit afterwards. Fantasy books I started reading. Piers Anthony was like the thing. And then I fell into um, Dungeons and Dragons and then Forgotten Realms. I mean, you know, Mr. Greenwood is like a god to me because he's just he's just so good. I met him too. Oh, Nicest yeah? guy in the world. Just so unassuming, you know, just like you have no idea. Um, and I used to draw like all fantasy stuff, like minotaurs and all like that. And then finding out about Dungeons and Dragons, and this that influenced me to really get into drawing something other than birds and, and wildlife, because you know. Where I grew up in the summer times in upstate New York, we would go to a lake and we cabin fishing, which is great when the sun's out. But when it's raining, there's no TV. What do you do? Uh, sit around, read books. And and my grandfather was an artist, so we, he taught me to draw it. I drew birds and whatever I could saw. And, but I thought, man, doing Dungeons and Dragons was so cool because I feel like you had the stories in the book that you read, but you could actually create stories with Dungeons and Dragons by creating characters and not just like in here, like by chance, because you had these magical dice and you would roll stuff out. And if you were good and didn't cheat, you know, oh yeah, well, we'll give him a plus five up front. He's like, he's level one. It's okay though. You know, uh, <laughs> I just, I remember distinctly, I told my mom I wanted to get, and she was like, oh my God, the Satan thing. I'm like, nah, mom, it's like my, my fantasy books. And she's like, yeah, the Satan thing. I'm like, mom, no. <laughs> remember, we went there, and I got the, the red box with the red dragon thing on it. So cool. And yeah, man, I just, we we had a, uh, two groups that I was in. One was um, Wednesday nights, and one was Saturday nights. And at first, I liked to play because you know, I like creating characters and I was neutral good always like and I love dwarves dwarves were great so I had an elf one but it was a mage 
Yeah. Just the different classes and different classifications were really cool. Um, and then with Dungeons and Dragons and Forgotten, like Forgotten Realms came out with role playing stuff, which was like, what? And then from there, they had like the different factions, like ninjas and, and all that crazy. So I bought all the books and, uh, and then like GURPS mm. and um, all that, all the, the sub different things. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out of the role playing thing. Did you yeah, guys remember, I remember that? that. I remember yeah, that. I think I think I've got one of their source books in my attic or something. Yeah, okay, I've seen so a couple of them. I have a superhero book called Tan, and the name of the character is the Antarctic Ninja. My Dean, my character that I created was a um, fox, a wolf that could teleport and was a ninja. And that's basically what it morphed into that from that. But yeah, we, that was just, and we would draw the character. They always had me draw the characters, which I loved, which was great. Um, so yeah. My and, character. <laughs> <laughs> depends on what you want, man. Um, yeah. So doing that, doing the role playing and then figuring out different stories, becoming a dungeon master, there's serious power and being a dungeon master and you would get the different um, modules and you'd go on different things. And it taught you story pacing and um, plot lines, uh, jump scares and, and deviousness. Yes. Yes. That's what my friends would say, you know, different things. Um, <laughs> we made, I made, I made a murder one where they had to come in. They went to this big growing mansion, the first room, because they had to find a red jewel first room, Red Jewel in this clear liquid, and they couldn't get it very easy. So, like, now there must be just a fake one. Went all the way into the house, got another one, and died coming out. And they could have just grabbed that one and left. And then I had a whole other sub story that they could have done that would have been so much more fun and a whole lot more treasure. And it just slaughtered them because they're arrogant. And I'm, because, you know, they thought they had a big chip on their shoulder and I had to put them in their place. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, too funny. So you're talking about something very awesome. So when you break down story pacing, like you said, jump scares, which jump scares are really um, complicated. Yeah. <laughs> because it requires a suspension of disbelief. If you can't, be a part of it then the thrill won't happen yeah and uh, and and the the role-playing context i mean in a movie or or anything very visual you've got the visual element whereas in role-playing i guess you can have a piece of artwork you could pop out really fast but it, it's right it, it ah. is hard to, <laughs> it's, it's harder to pull that off but it, it still definitely can be done yeah, so yeah how did you do it okay so what i did is i did i did a dual jump scare like the first one would be kind of like a little bit of a scare, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then put them on the guard a little bit. And it's like, bam, you get them with the second one. And that's what would really scare them. You know what I mean? Or really like, oh, like really shock them. That would be good. Or you do a small one, kind of like a taste. And then you have a lingering that it could happen again, but they don't know when it's going to happen. So there's all these possibilities that it might happen. And then it doesn't happen. And then when they finally put their guard down, then you get. <laughs> it's like a trump card. It's like your trump card you're holding on. You're like, okay, they, no. You wait for them to get a lull sense a little bit. The bam, you pull it on. I see. That's pretty good. That is no wonder yeah. they called you devious. 
just a sneaky and it's not like you know like all like all destroying whatever it's the first like you can do jump scares that are annoying like they nibble at you and it gets them in uncomfortable and once they're uncomfortable then they have to start overthinking and the more they start overthinking the more they make mistakes and that makes it more enjoyable when you get them <laughs> that's awesome yeah my DMing was not about you making it to the finish. It was how uncomfortable you could be while making it because you earned every single experience point you ever got. <laughs> there was no there was no freebie easy when it came to my stuff. Sorry. Awesome. Didn't work like that. And I always put a bit of humor, regardless of how scary or, or adventurous or everything it was, I always put a little bit of humor into it. You know, so deprec- you know, deprecating stuff just so they wouldn't be taken so seriously. Cause I played with some people and they had great characters. You know, they, they put time energy. They really, they really did it. And you need to show reverence to this character. And I'm like, no, not at all. You're, you're sucking the fun of the whole thing. Stop it. And then that I'm going to beat on you the most. You're the person I'm going to have to get at the most. Awesome. And then either they didn't come back or whatnot. Yeah. So having done comic books, you've done some that were, were uh, sort of more your own creation. And you also worked on some pre-established characters, uh, Iron Man and some other ones. Um, yeah. So how do you go about doing that? I mean, obviously if it's your, if it's your own creation, you can, you've got a lot more freedom. Um, where do you draw the line as far as introducing something entirely new or changing something um, when, uh, when writing or creating for, a, uh, I guess you could call it a, a shared world or a shared character. Or an established right. IP. So, yeah. So <clears throat> if I'm hired to work on another book that's not just all me, um, we sit down and we do a, like a pre-pro. We, we, we establish the boundaries mm-hmm. and expectations of what I can and can't do to said character or storyline, right? So this way, when I'm starting to start think of interesting ideas and bringing a storyline or characters growth along i'm not hindered mid process by like oh no no we really didn't want to do that after all it's like right because if if you know what's going on up front then you know like okay how far can i push before it's just like no no you can't do that so that's always good now with my characters and my storylines i pick a genre and i try to think of something that isn't fall into the, you know, the tropes of said genre, um, something that's a little bit interesting that could branch out to people that wouldn't necessarily like that genre to begin with. Yeah. They might be like, Oh yeah. Okay. So like I've done a lot of superhero books, but I've done a lot of fantasy and I've done a lot of horror stuff. I make stories that I want to read and hopefully other people like to do the same thing. Well, that's the same thing with my films. I make films that I would like to watch, and hopefully other people like to do the same thing. So I try to pick up interesting stories that will mess with not one sentences, but more than one sense. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, but, my, my understanding is that in large part, of the uh, the whole idea of the classifications and the genres is basically a way for the uh, the publishing industries to decide who who they can sell it to. I mean, right. If you go back to some of uh, earlier fiction that was written, um, you know, 50, 100 years ago or however long, um, it was just 
here's a book that you might like. Um, there, yeah. there wasn't a big divide between science fiction and fantasy and, um, and, you know, it didn't have to be these classifications. And so, yeah, right. I, I think it's, um, I think it's awesome when it's a whole bunch of stuff mixed together, although it might make it harder for the publishers to decide who they're going to sell it to because they want to target to those certain kind of niche audiences. But um, yeah, usually the best things have two or three or more elements mixed in and you're not trying to shoehorn it into this thing. You're just telling a story and in a, hopefully a unique setting. I like that you, that you don't focus on a trope as you're even a hook. Tropes are horrible <laughs> for the well, most part. Yeah. They have a reason I know, but it's usually for bad writers. <laughs> right. So, I know. I'm sorry for all the people that I've offended. <laughs> Like, I have a zombie series called Zombies Were Human Too. And I was like, oh, great, another zombie thing. But mine is about telling stories before and how they became zombies, right? So we have a main storyline of kids out foraging, spooked by zombies, chasing the warehouse. The youngest is freaking out, so calm the, calm down. The old two pick up zombies that they say make up stories of who they were, how long they last, how they died, sometimes in a funny way. That's that's really it. And then, but we have different art teams, story writers and artists doing the zombie stories. And it's one to 10 pages. So it's kind of an anthology, but it's whole, whole one storyline. So you have a little bit of horror, but you're not focusing on the actual zombies being monsters and focusing on the kids being the focal point of the story. They are, but they're not ones running for their You know what I mean? It's all focused on right. who these people were before they became zombies. Because to me... You see all these things and all these people, all these different outfits. Like we have mimes, we have clowns, we've got little kids, we've got, you know, someone died fishing. We had someone, we had a kid with a cell phone, didn't realize his head's on. He's playing video games, just, you know, scientists, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just different walks of life. How long do they last? The last day, last week, last 10 years? Who knows? You know what I mean? Right. But that's an interesting take on the zombie genre, I thought. Well, I, um, I, yeah. So it's like a, yeah, if I understand what you're what you're saying correctly, it's kind of a multi-layered story because you have the kids that are telling the story to the other kids and they don't necessarily I mean, they're just making up what what happened to this guy or that guy. They don't know if it's true. Right. They have no idea, but just just since they're trapped and instead of focusing on being trapped and possibly being eaten to calm them down, they take some humor into it and start making up, you know, crazy stories of, Hey, well, God, this, this zombie looks like my fourth grade teacher. Wonder what happened to him. And then you make up a story. You know what I mean? That's but you know, weird right. stuff you, like you know that. from the beginning how the story ends, which is right. Um, right. Yeah. See, that's the easy thing. Stories are easy. Yeah. Stories are easy when you already know the ending, right? right. You already know what's yeah. going to happen. Matter of fact, isn't you that why most novels don't get finished? Cause you don't know where to go. <laughs> Your yeah. plot is not thick enough. <laughs> I always, whenever I come up with a story idea, I think of a neat story and I think of the ending. Mm. Boom. It's bam, bam. How am I going to get there? It depends on how long I want to write it to get there and how interesting and how complex do I want to do it. So now when you're playing, it's yeah. harder to do that because you can come up with an ending and they, they're not going to go there. They're going to go wherever they go unless you railroad them. Well, that can happen in, in writing fiction also is, is as your characters develop, they do things that you didn't know they were about to do. Um, right. and, 
it happens on a regular basis. It's like, you know, you have it lined out, but as the character develops, as you're writing it out, then suddenly it's like, wait a minute. He just, I can't force him to do this because that's not that won't fit. how this character is going to react. And then yeah. you have to figure out some other way to get there. It is interesting that they, that characters really do kind of take on their own very distinct personalities. And once you understand that character, you can't force them to do something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, which I mean, you know, hopefully if you're working with somebody else's or, or a shared character, everybody has a good enough understanding of what goes on. I mean, I think we've probably all read comic book stories or whatever, because comic books, it seems like you've got different writers coming in all Constantly. the time. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's like, wait, this, what the character did just doesn't fit at all with who the character. Or the voice changes. But then you, right. But that's, uh, you got to balance that with, you know, is it just the character static and has been the same for the last 30 years and we're just telling the same story over and over and over again. I always think about the Ultimates, uh, that that whole series, the Avengers series that came out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it completely changed who they are. I mean, now we everybody thinks of them like that because of the movies because they really took those characters and said oh this is what they should be but, nick fury well, used to be white i know yeah i remember <laughs> yeah. i remember <laughs> when uh 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 what's his face uh night rider what's his name night rider oh yeah uh, no, he played him no. in a movie Hasselhoff. yeah Hasselhoff, yeah yes. yeah he played nick fury in oh way back. years yeah. ago it does doesn't exist <laughs> it doesn't exist. Never heard of it. What? Never heard what are you of talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like all the Punisher ones, except for the uh the good ones that they did on Netflix. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah it really did take some time for the, the superhero movies to Not to start being high quality. Um hey, I that, love the original spider live action Spider Man. From the seventies? Yes. Well, that's just because you haven't seen it recently. <laughs> it but is not. You good. watched it recently? I'm so surprised it hasn't held up that good. I mean, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think it was about 10 years ago that, like, <laughs> I don't remember why, but somehow I ran across it somewhere. And oh, it, God. it wasn't as great as you would think. <laughs> no, it's like trying to watch um, uh, MacGyver. Oh, my God. I love that show. And I can't watch it. Yeah, you're like, why did I? What? How could I possibly? Because like, was my brain that undeveloped that I just? Yeah, we really? were starved for good stuff. I think it, it is an interesting thing though, because not everything that is old um, has that problem. But you, yeah, you'll have a, a movie that you know, even five, ten years ago, you saw and you remember being really good, and you go back and watch it, and you're like, yeah, this, it's not great. And another that'll well, be 40, 50 years old, and it's still fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I try to do it on my kids. Like, oh, this is a great movie. Well, you got to go watch it. So I'm wa- watching with them, and they get this look like, ooh. And you have to prove, like, yeah, no, no, it's really great. It's coming up. You're, so you're like, what the heck happened to it? It's like they changed <laughs> it. It got worse. I remember it was so good. What happened to it? And, you know, they're like, no, my dad, it was never good. You just okay. didn't know. I will tell but, you a movie that stood up. And that's Kung Pao so the horrible. Oh yeah, but no, yeah, it's still good. It, it makes me wheel, wheel, wheel. Anyway, sub. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no strange brew. It held up. Oh, did it? It held. Yeah, up. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's just it's it's from humor. Humor uh, comedies can can hold up so much better over time than yeah. most other films. 
you know, all the Monty Python films are just yeah. as good today, if not, you know, better than they were yeah. back in the day. Yeah, my, my 16-year-old watches those all the times and still. Um, and yeah, so a lot of stuff it does and a lot of stuff it doesn't. And yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, obviously the special effects is a big part of it, but that's not all because um I feel like we're interviewing each other. Let's go back to Austin. yeah, yeah. Sorry, Austin. <laughs> well, I was gonna say once you get into making films, you sit back and you start watching. You're like you start picking out things like oh, like the way they edited wrong, or the shot angles, or the lighting, or sound, and different things. And you're like, no, no, just forget all that. Just enjoy it. Just sit back, enjoy it. Just don't even think about it. Just, <laughs> just, just go with it. Just write it. Sometimes I can. Most of the time I can. Sometimes I'm like, oh, no, I just can't. When I worked in construction, I'd go to people's houses and it was horrible. The the poor construction bothered me. Yeah, that that actually ties into another question that I had is um whether you're whenever you're working on anything professional, you're gonna have a uh, a deadline. Um, yeah. and you and so you know, where do you find that balance between getting it perfect and we've got to get this product out? <laughs> You'll never get it perfect unless unless you want to work on your own stuff. I mean, if you want to make money at said profession, there's a, there's a time where you have to, I mean, making the deadline is the most important. You'll, you'll see in any genre, these this person keeps coming up and working and there's not, it's good stuff, but not great stuff. There's some great person who can do great stuff. Why are they using this person? Because they made deadlines. There's a budget. They make the budget. And they make more. They can make more money doing making the budget. That's that's really it. And it's been that way whether I worked in comic books when I was working my backup plan, which I was in advertising. I was creative director. I worked for Disney and whatever. Deadlines, deadlines, week, daily, hourly. Sometimes it sucks because it can take the joy out of what you're doing, right? Because you want to like, oh, this is just so artsy. <laughs> it's funny. I was. I was I was at advertising design classes. This is for computers, and my marker comp teacher came in first day. He's like, "If you came here because you thought art was fun, get the f out now." <laughs> that bad. And we all kind of joked. He's like, "No, seriously, get the f out. Get your money back and do something else because art's not fun. You are doing this to get hired to work, and sometimes it'll." Effing suck. Yeah. He just sat down his desk and let people leave and like three people left. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've heard of a lot of stories similar to that where, uh, yeah. yeah, they'll have a, some, um, an art class and you spend the whole time working on this project. And then at the end, they're like, okay, put it through the shredder now. Yeah. Destroy yeah, it. It's gone now. Because yeah. that's, that's what the executives are going to do to it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. It's not working mm-hmm. with Bob Ross, is it? <laughs> Trust me. I was working at Disney and we were working on a project uh, for Animal Kingdom at the time. It was when um, it just opened. Um, when I worked at Disney, I worked for um, um, Creative Marketing, which is now Yellow Shoes. But anyway, so a month and a half of working on this stupid card that pops out with the draft, super cute. We got it just the way it was. We all have to sign off at Creative and all like this. So we walk by another art director. Goes and looks like, hey, what you working on? You never do this. You're like, oh, hey, I'm working on this. He looks like, oh, the ears are too big. Walks away. <gasps> Can't sign off on it. We have to make sure the ears aren't too big. Oh. Another three weeks. 
Oh what? man. Love. I mean, I mean, deadline budget gone, just gone, but it's Disney at the time. They had all that money. That's the kind of crap. And people do that on purpose just to F with you. So were, were the ears request, too big or was he just being a jerk? Or? No, it was fine. It was just being a dick, but you know, yeah. God forbid. <laughs> um, but, but, but seriously, uh, when you're bad. working for someone, they are paying you money. And because they're paying you money, they're paying you to do two things. Uh, draw something that they want that, that, that will be pleasing to other people and they'll pay you for it. And you have this time to do it. And that's it. Right. They're not hiring you because, Oh, you're so this, you're just great. And you're hot. No, they think that you can do a job at this time frame for this money. That's it. And, and, and yeah, they, they, they need it done when they need it done because yeah. depending on what the project is, there's, the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. I mean, if it's yeah. a comic book, I guess, um, I think in your case, if I remember right, you generally do the pencil and the ink yourself. Uh, I've done pencils and inks. I've done a lot of inking just on its own. Okay. Um, but the reason I like inking more than anything is because again, I'm old. Psycho. <laughs> well, yeah. I can't stand well, inking. I am horrible at inking. I love it. But, but when I wanted to go and break in, Inking was like the last step in comic books. Coloring wasn't really a thing back then. Mm -hmm. That was you're finishing the page, you inked it. So I'm like, cool. So I can work with great writers and artists at the same time. Really? That's what I want to do. I want to finish the page. That's cool. Um, so that's how I kind of, I did comics to ink and started breaking in so I could tell my own stories. And that's how my Seven of the Millennium book came about. You know what I mean? Um, I was so supposed that was to your first one. published one, right? Um, of my own, yeah, yes. yeah. That was my first one, and that was literally based on my D and D characters. Yeah, I was working. I, it. I've enjoyed quite right. a bit. I mean, it's very wordy, by the way. It feels, <laughs> but it reads very quick. Words are good. It is. No, <laughs> yeah. it is good. But I really have enjoyed the whole dynamic of this nerdy little brat and <laughs> the whole thing. It's been pretty interesting. I enjoy it. Yeah, I haven't had so, a chance to check it out, but I'd like to uh, when I when I get a chance. I wait, will. what? You didn't buy one eBay too? No, I haven't. I, I'm a horrible person. You know what? Horrible. This is over. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's like one or two you can find somewhere. Um, well, no, I, I was going to try to get my my bum friend to send it to me. I'm not <laughs> that way, you I'm don't send it to money. Austin to get it signed. <laughs> yeah, I got to get signed. I got free. Art. I got artwork here. I can sell you too. You know, super cheap. Um, but no, I've got to make money, man. <laughs> so, um, working at Radio Shack, my friend Mike and I had a great idea. I hadn't really wrote, written wrote a script or much of anything. Mike was a writer. He was going to school for it, and he liked role playing but not as much as me so i had my characters and we came up with this idea but it is set seven thousand years into the future because of evolution radiation you have the you have the different wait, wait are you giving me the way the story i haven't gotten that far <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, you know what, Ryan? You're not important. This is just background for the story. No, the audience is important, Ryan. You are not important. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Tell, it's not messing with the story, but it's giving you some backstory. Okay. So it's so the dwarf, elves, dwarves, all that sort of thing is come basically by evolution, 
Magic is now basically people being able to manipulate this radiation into doing spells and stuff. We wanted a scientific, if someone asks us a question, we wanted a scientific explanation as to why you wanted credit. It was what it was. That was my biggest thing in fantasy was like, oh, they can do magic. Why? Well, just cuts. No, yeah, not just magic. Cut. Yeah. <laughs> and we bottle you it. Know, not, so I, I needed a reason. That's, that's why I did it. But yeah, I, literally, the, the, my, the dwarf is my dwarf character. That, that is my, at the time, it was 19th level chaotic neutral uh, dwarf. I, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I think my battle axe was plus six, but it was anointed. I can't remember. It's been so long. Uh, do, you, do you still play? No, man, I wish I did. I just no. T- I have video games I haven't even touched because I just have no time. Because I know if I get in, it's like, like I'm going to start playing. A week goes by. And I'm like, wait, what? I just yeah. have I showered? I don't know. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I die full on. It's just like, ah, you just get in. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I really, really hear that. So, um, whatever you play like all the time. No, I do play <laughs> all the time. But I, I was going to say with everything, whether it be, reading a novel, a comic book, um, binge watching a show. I can't stop. Um, unless it's an actual emergency. So, um, yeah, my, I work as a paramedic and I work in a rural area. So I go out and I do a 48 hour shift. So I do, I can do a lot of reading, a lot of binge watching shows. And so I do a lot of that stuff at home and I just, but I can't do any of that stuff when I back home, I do it at work, which is, Awesome is like you know. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm getting so paid. I know as a paramedic, <laughs> as a paramedic, gives you the time to read. Yeah. Play video games. Yeah. Where do you live? <laughs> Never mind. Don't tell me. Oregon. I'll, I'm, I'm just going to say rural Oregon. <laughs> I'm just going to get a pen where not to live. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to live where he paramedics. I can tell He's you like, that. look, there's 30 people who live here. What do you want from me? There's more bears than anything. Stop it. <laughs> it's there's not more cows than anything. Yeah, there are other times that I don't sleep for 48 hours. Yeah. So. No, I, trust me, I, I got it. When I um I lost when the, the terrorist attacks happened in 2011, I lost my job at Disney. I lost all my comic book work. I mean, I lost like not anything, 11, money. it was one. Huh? You said 11. It was 2001. Oh, yeah. 9-11 is what I meant to say. Yeah. Excuse me. I'll edit that out. Go ahead. In 2001. I I lost everything. Um, And wow. Just, I I got a job in the hospital working as a nursing tech for two years. I just completely unplugged and just, because I had a super chip. I'm like, I'm the man. I'm just going to, God just went, nope. No, you're not. Bam. Get back down to earth. So now I appreciate things more, but medical feels tough, man. Even paramedic, that's tough. That's a it's, good feel. It's, uh, yeah, I, I've never worked in a large city on a regular basis. I did some internships and, and business yeah. places. And I just, I love, I love the rural medicine for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's a lot of downtime, which I love. And when something happens, you actually have to, do the job and you have to know how to do the job. If you're working in a, in a larger city, you're five, 10 minutes from the nearest hospital. Um, sure. Yeah. All you really have to do is throw them in and drive. Um, yeah. And we're, Portland we're, is we're especially working, that way because we're sometimes two, 40 minutes, one. maybe an hour. Yeah. 
Um, sometimes it'll be well over an hour before we can get somebody to a hospital. And that's Lord. a tiny little hospital. And then hopefully a helicopter can fly or something and we can get them to a bigger hospital. So, that's um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of downtime and a lot of, um, it, yeah, it goes from low stress to high stress back to low stress real yeah. fast. And I just, that, that's the way that my mind is geared. I like it that way. So. That's cool. I also, but, but we're not interviewing me. So no, I also volunteered as a firefighter. Nobody cares about you. Nice. But I'm old and fat. <laughs> <laughs> and I could only do it for so long before I was but, too old and fat. But let's, let's focus back in on one of yeah, the, I actually topics. have a couple other things that I was really curious about. Yeah. So, ask away. Um, so when you, when you set up shots and such, because that's really super important when you're game mastering is setting up th scenes. Um, yeah. So from a director, you see it physically and you're looking for certain angles. So tell me a little bit about the process you use. For what? Uh, making films or? Yeah, for making uh, films because okay. that translates pretty well, I think, to game mastering yeah. and setting up a scene. Yeah, it's it's um, in, in art, it's two dimensional. For film, it's three dimensional. You have to make sure you shoot things properly. So when I am writing shots or films, I think of the entire area first, and then where are they going to go from point A to, to point B in the scene? Right from there, we usually shoot what's called master shots, which is the entire scene by itself with most everything to and then you go for your close-ups depending on where you want them to go when it comes to camera angles it depends on the type of story that you're doing and the type of camera that you're going to be using because of it if you're doing action it's more handheld it's more the jittery it's more kind of really really up close really far away but it's a comedy it's more of a two-shotter sort of thing and then lighting is involved too um and that all comes into play whenever you're doing any sort of shot so um, atmosphere and um, background and of the area that you're going to be shooting in is very important to telling the story. It's not just the words and the character, it's the atmosphere and the background. To me, that's more important because if you have a location that's wide open, you need to fill it with something. It's just going to be too vacuous, right? So you have to put a lot of interesting things around it to draw your focus into the actual character. If it's a small space, then you have to make sure that it's sparse and you're shooting your cameras and angles that gets the most out of the interesting area that you're in while focusing on the character and what they're saying to the other person to get the story along, right? That's, that's what I look at. Any location I go into and I'm like, okay, is it interesting to me? Will be interesting to the audience. Not so much that it'll be distracting, but will it add to what the character, the situation, what they're saying, right? Is it truthful? If it's not truthful, then it doesn't matter how pretty or cool it looks. It's just it's not going to work. If a person just comes in out of the rain, right, and it's a kind of a sad story and you have super bright colors and it's super bright, like, wait, that's very drastically. That's a change of, of you know, right. it's gone from here to here. Uh, but it's done that because it's actually supposed to be really creepy, right? Because the guy's like even more super happy and peppy is supposed to like, wait, that's not really right. And then the monsters come and they kill him. 
or right. just something weird. You know, there's your jump scare. Uh, <laughs> just different things like that. It's you have to look at the entire picture. It's not the angle that you're shooting. It's 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 what you're shooting with your angle. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. 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 I see that. It's like if you're role playing and you you got a really long corridor, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't see the end because it's all shadows. That's a little creepy. Now, if you have little spikes jutting out at different parts, as it goes back, it seems like there's more spikes, but it's actually the shadows of said spikes. That makes it more ominous. So while you're walking, you're not exactly sure where you're where, where you can walk because it could you possibly step on something and then those spikes might shoot up every once in a while. Not all once. Mm. You don't know. That's the suspense of, of the jump scare before you come to find out that the wall shoots shuts behind and moves you this way, and then you're dead. And there you go, because you tra- you stepped on the trap. You're focusing on the spikes. You got a pressure plate right there, wide open, and it has a skull on it that you didn't even notice because you rolled a one. What are you going to do? It's just one of those things. <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> Give me your piece of paper. I'm going to crumple it up. Oh, my God. Do you guys crumple up? Do you literally crumple up pieces of paper of the characters? Like, do you crumple it up and burn it? Have you done that as DMs? I've had it done to me. So I had, it, it wasn't uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It was another another game. I was, I was a mega psychic and I can't remember what it was. It was a GURPS thing. Anyway, uh, me against this other guy and we're supposed to, and I pull out my gun, pulls out my gun, we roll dice. We both roll 20s, both headshots. So we're like, I spent nine months working on this character. He goes, let me see your sheets. And I'm like, I give him the sheets. And he goes like this. Oh, they're really sick. Crumples up. Bam. Lights it on fire. <gasps> Gone. He's like, he's dead. What do you want me to do? I, you know, but it's, ah, ah, ah. you feel so, you're like, it's like, yeah. oh, it's all the time and energy. It's yeah. gone. Wait, wait, but as a GM, that- you're like, <laughs> which is a thing you can have happened in, uh, and role playing, and you're with some exceptions, you're less likely to see in other forms of fiction. Is this character built up over time and then suddenly die? Yeah, um, there there has come to be a little bit of a trend in some some uh, recent fiction that I, th- I think uh, Game of Thrones really made that idea popular, and some other things have yeah have picked up right. on it. Um, but yeah, it it can be horribly frustrating. But then you have the same thing also where. You know, you start watching a movie or a show or whatever, and it's like, yep, this guy's about to die. This guy's going to yeah, die. Yeah, you already know ahead of time. Yeah, right. it's and like, you're right. Yeah, because the tropes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you could what see. I loved, what I loved, Ryan, as a DM was when they're like, get all mad. You're like, you rolled the dice. I didn't roll yeah. the dice. You yeah. rolled the dice. What do you want me to do? Had I saved you, you rolled- would you really respect me? <laughs> right. You rolled it. What do you want me to do? Right. I can't roll the dice for you. <laughs> Yeah, and and it it really does depend on the kind of story that you're telling. I mean, if, yeah. if uh, I'm playing a game with my six year old and my four year old that yeah. don't understand the dice, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna fudge that. <laughs> well, yeah, and we're, we're yeah. not playing yeah. those kinds of games, anyways. Yeah. You don't want to try traumatize them too early. You want to no, build you got, up you some got, self You got to wait for the right time. Oh, my poor daughter. <laughs> Ryan started early. No mercy. No mercy. I, I bullied her as much as I could. Now she's tough. It. Yeah, and, and so it does depend on the kind of story you're telling, and it can be fun. Yeah, 
for it to seem like it's one kind of story and it suddenly changes and turns into something different if it's done correctly but if if it's done correctly you have to give yourself choices though as as a dm or when you're doing your games it can't just be a or b you got to have because if they make certain choices, they might do something out of the order you always have a have to wild card choice you always have to do something like they do really wacky all right let them go down a little bit you can you can get them back to where they need to be eventually you know what I mean? If you really want them to go do something, you can right. but where's it, the fun it, in that? I mean, it. you you got to let them just kind of go on their own. If they go and just while they're like, all right, then you just kind of yeah, if, go if, if and you, do whatever. Yeah, if you take away the uh, the player's ability, the player autonomy, basically their ability to make choices yeah. in role playing, they are going to rebel one way yeah, or yeah. another. Um, and even if you don't. <laughs> they're going to rebel anyways, but they're going to rebel even more so. Yeah. If yeah. if you do, um, and some of them just won't come back and play, um, and some of them will, but they're going to start trying to purposely undermine you. And to me, it's it's uh, it should not generally be players versus the game master. Sometimes maybe it should. No, but, it should be a joint story. Right. But yeah, you're, right. Yeah, you're 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 telling a story, and you're trying to tell the best story that you can although you can go to extremes i mean there, i think there's some games where where players have too much input and some where they don't have enough um well again preference it's one of those things where in the beginning you 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 find out parameters you find out expectations That's a good point and then you go from there and then and they get upset mid-game it's like whoa whoa Look, yeah. this is how we've been doing up until now. You can't just automatically get upset because you have done a roll and something bad happened to your character. You know what I mean? You were all tickle pink happy when it happened to them. You were yeah. perfectly fine. Oh, no. You're a horrible Now that person. it happened to you, now that your sword's shattered and you can't get it back, oh, now this game's yeah. screwed and I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. You're right. My bad. What am I thinking? <laughs> For a month, you've been like, reaping rewards and getting all this extra magical stuff. And now you're now cursed. Take it away. And you, you roll back. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been your yeah, life. It, it, that yeah. was all part of my plan, sir. I wanted for a month. So you could roll, get the curse and lose your stuff. You know me too well. Mm-hmm. Although we have all ran the game where you put your characters in a dumb spot and they have nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because they had too much stuff. You had to take it away. Or you're just a yeah. game master. One of the two. <laughs> that's fine all right so let's get to your new projects so you have an exciting new book coming out i, I do it, it, yes sir i didn't mean to cut you off uh it's called divine retribution mm-hmm. it is a, a fantasy faith-based comic book um okay. it's not it's not a well okay so it's not a bible thumping sort of thing but uh-huh. it does talk about the bible it is angels versus demons you have werewolves, you have zombies, you have vampires, you know, good versus evil, whatever. Um, That's a oh, lot of oh, different yeah. elements. I just I just happen to have the cover for the original artwork. Wow. Did you um, draw it's that? coming out? Huh? Did you draw and ink that one? No, I, I had a buddy of mine, Vicencio, uh, who did the first story, the intro story for issue one. Wow. Um, Great art. So I did an intro story just to get people to know about it about maybe five or so years ago. And then Roberta uh, Ingrana, she's from Italy, amazing artist, was just starting out. 
and we were shopping the book around. We had a couple of people that were interested and then she had to leave and then they weren't interested and just kind of fell by the wayside. And then Second Sight loved the idea and I finally decided to go with them in the one side. So we have all of Christine, which is a guardian angel who breaks her one rule she not supposed to break direct human direct contact with humans and the storyline is the consequences of said actions hmm. that's that's okay. really it so it's in previews right now which is great it's nice being back into previews and I um seen a preview in forever <laughs> yeah i know it's just it's really cool it's neat to be there but um so so God, these italian people vicenzio and roberta did the artwork Jasmine Smith did the the coloring, and um, God, like three different people did the lettering. I'm so sorry, I don't know their names. But myself and Rachel, I know I'm such a jerk. But myself and Rachel Pan, <laughs> just just email me the names later, and we'll, we'll I will. dub it over like you did know. <laughs> I will. I'm so sorry. Um, but Ra- Rachel Dunn and myself wrote the story. I came up with a concept. But I wanted a female's perspective because it's a female character. I wanted her perspective to write the actual storyline. So Rachel really did the heavy, wrote most of it, and I just kind of filled in what needed to be okay, filled in. So and let me ask writing. you something about that because that's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we all know writing from the other sex point of view is difficult. I mean, yeah. they either turn out masculine or anime. So <laughs> let's yeah. be honest. So then yeah. did you did – you, uh, not storyboard it. Did you outline kind of what you were going for and then have her write based on the outline or did you give her complete creative control? Well, I was telling her kind of what I was looking for. And I'm like, I don't want a big boobed character. <laughs> I, I, I don't want, I don't want it to be sexualized at all because again, this it's, it's kind of faith-based. We were, it talks about the Bible and different things of the Bible. And it's just, it's about a guardian angel. It's not about a warrior angel. It's a guardian angel mm-hmm. who breaks her, her one rule. And by doing so, uh, she gathers some strength. And by doing, by getting strength, then she starts saying, well, should I keep doing what I'm doing? And that's kind of what's, what happens. It's, it's questions, you know, even Angel can question herself. It's just good and evil. So I go, I want to tell a story about her inner struggle, how angels can even have their own questions. Um, she does talk about the Bible, but it's not preachy, preachy at all, like at all. Um, but we got cool vampires and stuff like that. So there's different, there's Those there's different the things. <laughs> it's just you know, there's the interpersonal, there's a bigger, and then there's literally the balance between good and evil, heaven and hell. Is literally what's in the balance. Um, and I said, run with it, and we'll see what we can do. So she write cool. I mean, she knew exactly. The thing is, she knew exactly. Like she took like, okay, let me take this. And she wrote exactly what I was gonna, what I was hoping to write. It was awesome, but she wrote it in a great way from a woman's, from a female's perspective, which was fantastic. Um, and so, once this comes out, it's a one shot. We have a four issue series coming through Second Sight, and we have the main artist um, Claudio Avella again from Italy. They do amazing artwork and backgrounds. I wanted someone who could do great architecture because it's a fantasy type story. The backgrounds really matter. Are you right? doing gothic kind of feel? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we have variant exclusive covers done by female cover artists. They're really, really good artists, and they're different type of art styles, whatever. And that's kind of what we're doing for the series. 
um, yeah, That's it's awesome. um, it's if you like horror, it, there's some good horror. If you like fantasy, it's good fantasy. If you like faith based stories, it's got some of that too. It's not just I don't again don't like the pigeonhole. I like to give a wide variety and merge and mash those different genres into a really interesting story because to me, it makes it very rich and complex. The more you add to it. Like if you're, if you're hungry, make a pizza, right? Cheese pizza, it's good. But if you want to add more to it, like, you know, bacon, which is great, but if it's honey, you know, you know, uh, maple syrup and brown sugar bacon on your pizza. Right. And then maybe add some barbecue sauce to that. You're making me hungry. with some, you know, with some, you know, with some rotisserie chicken. Now you've got a good pizza, right? I understand you do contract work also. Yeah. My company, Ten Sky, we have a bunch of artists on our roster. We can do any type of art, any type of, you know, storylines. We actually, we are working on adapting, not adapting, but we're doing two comic books for two feature films right now um, that goes, coincides with the actual films themselves. So we yeah. can do lots of fun stuff. So kind I'm of like, all about. Uh, Firefly did with the Serenity yeah, movie and then the yeah, comics you know, that came out to flush out more of the story. I um I enjoy the collaboration aspect now in in comic books. So like with zombies it was all I like getting lots of different people together. I like working with lots of new people on different stuff on books that I'm working on. I want to work with a lot of younger people, a lot of people trying to break in or you know what I mean because Yeah. Oh, that was one that, of the things I was going to ask you about. What advice you have for people wanting to get into the industry? Because oh, everybody okay. wants to so, know how to do that. Yeah, it's depending on what you want to do. Um, when I wanted to break in, I told my parents, I'm going to become a book artist. Woo. You need a backup plan. Yes. Um, and my backup plan was I got my degree in advertising and design, which was turned into graphics. And my backup plan turned into a 22-year career of doing newspaper. And then when I moved to Florida, I worked at Lockheed Martin. And then I worked for Disney and then Universal and then NASCAR and then Warner Brothers and Verizon. And then I was a creative director for about three agencies before I semi-retired. And it helped with insurance. It helped with a lot of things. So breaking the comic books is a lot. It's easier and harder. It's easier nowadays because there's a whole lot more ways to put your stuff out there, whether it's on the social media sites or it's self-publishing through the Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever. But you're not getting the right feedback for said artwork. When I was breaking in, you actually showed it to people and editors, and they would just hopefully not bash you too badly. They would sometimes shred you, sometimes not. The best critique I ever got was from Kim Yale. She was an editor at DC Comics. And I was had my book out, and I had been published a couple of times. I felt kind of good about myself and showed my stuff to, him, to her. And she looked at it and looked at me. Small show, 112 hundred feet. And she goes, Oh my God. And everyone stopped and looked at her, looking at me, looking at her. She's let me tell you something. And she picked up every tiny little thing wrong with my stuff. And I'm just sitting there. I mean, there, I can't move sweats rolling down some cold sweat and she's done. Maybe it's felt like an hour, maybe 10 minutes. She gives it back and she goes, you want to know why I did that? I'm like, Oh, you guys are you know, crazy. It's with this. She goes, because if you worked on these things and sent it back to me, I'd hire you. I wanted to be honest with you. And I said, thank you. I felt like 
good and bad at the same time. Right. Um, a backhanded compliment. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are very good at drawing figures, but they can't do backgrounds or they can't do that sort of thing. That's why they don't get hired as much. Um, the, the person that can do backgrounds and is okay artist will get hired more than the person that can do great figures and no backgrounds. So if you want to bring in the comic books, learn backgrounds, learn um, textures, learn all the non-fun stuff, and that will help you get more work. But if you want to start out, write a story, draw something, and then give it away. Get feedback. You know, you want not your parents, you because they love you. You know, that was the best thing ever. Get people that are going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Like I, I used to tell people, well, you go to shows, show it to everyone you possibly can. And that's okay. But a lot of people, they don't give a crap of what you do. And they're trying to sell you something. Because right. so they'll blow it over. So I, so I I go, at the end of the day, sift through all the information. And if you have theme or themes that people actually talk about, then focus on that. Oh, they talked about feet. They talked about my hair. Those are things I need to work on. And that's kind of it. I know one of, um, I can't remember his name now. Anyways, this one uh, show, not his name, its name. Uh, they talked about these guys that were going and submitting their work at trade shows. And uh, the one guy got so much feedback about how he was a great artist, but he had no um, he had no style of his own. He was just copying other people and that that wouldn't yeah. take you very far. Right. So I know that that can be a big problem and a big, for me specifically, I'm, you remember that Rob Leefield uh, drawing of, uh, yeah, you know, the one, the giant. Boot. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's about as good as I will ever be. <laughs> so if you have room for that, I, I'd love to come join you. <laughs> well, okay. With no it's backgrounds. A I can't draw backgrounds. It's a catch 20. Yeah. It's a catch 22 because you want to get noticed. So you want to get good at something. So you want people that will influence your art style. Right. Yeah. And that will get you noticed enough to maybe someone give you a chance because um, they might want Jim Lee, but they can only afford you because you draw pretty close to Jim Lee. And that's okay for a start. The problem is people, they don't adapt. They don't grow. They don't evolve. They don't yeah. improve as creative people. You want that uh, newness, right? As creative people, you want that learning new things. They're always learning. Right. You always have to change. You always have to be adaptable because trends change, different things. If you don't change, then you're stagnant and then you never get work or you won't get more work. Right. So that's the biggest thing. Don't don't get focused on something specific about what you're doing. Get your fundamentals down. And it's okay to copy up front, but take what they're doing, which is good, throw out what's bad, and then start doing your own stuff. Start trying something new. And it's very daunting. It's very scary to do that. And you might not be quite successful. I mean, geez, I, I, I joke with my wife at like 24 years. I go, oh, I'm done. It's 24 years. Eh, you know, I've done everything I probably wanted to do. I'm old. No one wants to hire this old guy. And I was like, this is my last year. And then something happens. And then something happens. And then literally... I was on hold for the Righteous Gemstone TV show for HBO. Do you guys know the TV show? I don't. Not yet, I don't. It's John Goodman. Um, oh, and what's a that? Few other, the yeah, one, the yeah, evangelistic. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I was on hold for a three-issue guest star role. And I was supposed to find out on March 15th. 
everything shut down on the 12th. Done. So I'm like, oh, this sucks. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Three days later, Scout Comics picked up and signed my all-age uh, snowman story, Stanley the Snowman. And then after that, Second Side picked up Divine Retribution. And then after that, a series I'm uh, a one-shot, Dawn of the Dead for a web series I'm working on that I'm acting in, got picked up by another publisher. So comic books just kind of started rolling. And then our, my company got, it's, it's just, so I'm like, oh, well, okay, I just got another year. <laughs> 27 years, here we go for 28. So it's just, you know, people worry so much about trying to get somewhere that they don't enjoy the the way to get there. I decided when I was going to try to get into acting in films, I talked to my wife and I said, look, give me three years. Let's see what happens in three years. I'm just going to walk down the path that I'm put before me and whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to stress over it. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I went from knowing nothing to I've got agents in Mississippi and Atlanta, Florida, and I have a manager in LA. And I've I've got a film called 45 Seconds. It's going to be on Netflix sometime this year that I'm in. Um, uh, there's a TV series created by Dan Myrick and Jeffrey um, Reddick called Black Veil that I was in episode one. I might be in episode two. And uh, I just sent an audition for a series regular for a Nickelodeon show called Young Dylan. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I'm doing, I'll I'm doing three out. things. <laughs> well, I'm doing three things. I talk, I have a mentor, Lee, Lee Perkins. He was in Foxcatcher, you know, Oscar winning cup. He's done a bunch of great stuff. Great um, acting coach. He goes, you need to be truthful. You need to know the words. You need to do your vision, your version. And if you do those three things, you've done your job. And if they pick you, they pick you. If they don't, they don't. That's it. Yeah. Same with comic books. Do your version. Do what you can do. Make a deadline. Great. If they don't use you, don't worry about it. Write your own stuff. Make your own books until someone wants to hire you. You have the ability to do that now. Whereas back when I was starting out, you went to the Xerox machine, you Xerox small black and white copies, and you sold them for 25 cents. You know, you couldn't really afford the big printers because they were <laughs> god-awful expensive. Um, that, that's it. You, do it for the right reasons too. I mean, yes, it's a job, but enjoy, enjoy the process, enjoy creating something and have pride. And you actually have the book. The coolest thing for me is holding a book that I had in my head right here. And I'm holding in my hand. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing better. Making films is amazing. Seeing it on the big screen is great, but holding physically holding something in your hand. That's cool. And I'm always chasing that like I did the very first time with Summit Millennium. The first time that came off the printers, you know, I could smell the ink and hold it in my hand. I know. Well, you know, comic books have an amazing smell to begin with. Yes, they do. It's news, it, but it's newspaper. It was just, right. it was one of the best feelings. It was one of the most proudest moments. The only thing that that I've done better is is have make my three kids and get married to my wife. Do you know what I mean? why that was better. <laughs> Yeah. So, there's my there's my long-winded uh, advice. And I'm going to take a sip of my water. Okay. Well, and, and yeah, another thing that, that you didn't touch on, but it sounds like you've got covered pretty well is just being easy to work with. Um, because, you know, it, I, I'm sure it happens in every profession. You have somebody that whether they're actually brilliant at their job or they just think they are, but, yeah. you know, they, they think that they're, they're Dr. House where they're brilliant, but hard to work with. 
Oh, no, you. Yeah. In real life, I'd rather have somebody who's a decent person and okay at their job than somebody who knows every single little fact about something, but is just a jerk (laughs) because you're never going to get anything done. Um, So, you know, just be a decent person and that gets you an awful long ways. And, and yeah, just from talking to you this short time, it sounds like, uh, like you would be pretty easy to work with a pretty good person to collaborate with. I try to be the solution to your problem when you hire me and and that's it. I try to make it, make your job as easy as possible when you are hiring me to do something for you. That's what you're paying me to do ultimately. Yes. There's deadlines and other things, but ultimately I'm the solution to your problem and I need to make it as easy as possible. Right. Ego has absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah. You might be amazing. You might be this and this, just be a solution. Be really, because honestly you can get knocked down and blackballed and just be out of the game completely. And you're like, wait, what? what? Huh? Huh? And then you, you're like, Oh, I, I, you don't appreciate what you had because it's not there anymore. Yeah. Even if I can't have it, artist, my wife. It happens all huh? the time. Even great yeah. artists. You look at Jack Kirby and what happened to him. Yeah. Well, well uh, and, I mean, yeah. You, you, you see, you see it with actors where yeah. some directors will move, work with the same actors over and over and over again. It's like, clearly they like that guy. They, yeah. They get along well. And usually the people that are doing that, they're telling great stories. Like uh, Christopher Nolan seems like he works with a lot of the same people over and over again. So yeah, obviously, yes. Obviously, they get along well. Um, and why would you change? Um, but, you know, bit by bit, they bring more people in. And I'm sure, like I said, every profession, right? we see that in our profession. You have somebody come in and you look at their resume and they went to the best school. But, yeah. but if they can't get along with people, they don't last very long. So, Austin, it was, <laughs> it was great to talk to you. So, yeah, everybody go ahead and check out some of Austin's work. Um, oh, where can they cool. find your work? Uh, okay. So... If you want to just know pretty much anything about me, just Google my name. You find a lot of interesting things about me with it, whether it's film, whether it's comics or whatever. Uh, social media, Facebook, Austin Janowski. Instagram, oh, Austin Janowski. Um, Twitter, I don't really tweet. So, but if you want to find me, that's fine. Uh, yeah, because I'm an adult. I'm an adult. Um, YouTube, you can find some neat clips on me. And uh, yeah, funny. Uh, um, I was just in a national commercial for uh, Natural Griddle Griddle Week for Blackstone Griddles, which was a lot of fun. So you might see me on TV this week. I don't know. Excellent. Other people, I get pinged for like different friends, but for but for social media, that's where you can kind of find me. Go to uh, previews. Go to Second Sight. Go to your comic book store if you like to order a book. Um, you say griddles like that you cook food on griddles. That's, that's what I would do. This dude, this thing has it's a, it's a big griddle. It has two air fryers in it. What? It's, wait, wait, hold on. hold on. I did. It's a yeah, griddle I'm, I'm with curious air fryers. Yeah, yeah. How you can do the breakfast, thing? lunch, dinner. You can do everything in this. This thing is amazing. I don't believe you. Yeah, I, mean, I don't yeah, believe it's real. I, I'm just, curious, I'm just curious how you ended up being the spokesperson. Yeah, I, for that. I mean, I mean, how for, did you well, get second well, into this? When you're when you're a super talented actor like I am, right? Well, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome. you know you, i just got lucky i just you know they go oh hey you want we want a middle-aged semi-overweight semi-balding guy <laughs> i want him 
That's, that's awesome. So, I don't know. But uh, uh, yeah, just, you know, if you want to know anything, Google social media stuff. Look me up there. If you've got any questions on anything I'm doing, send me a message, man. I just and we, uh, we can probably put some links for this episode. Yeah, we'll put links well yeah. to your yeah. to the uh I forgot what you called the comic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm oh, so tired. Uh, so Divine Retribution. Divine Retribution is, we'll is, is, is I know Sex Side Studios. Yeah. And just go to your local comic book store and have them order it because you can order for another couple of weeks. And uh yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome. It was great to talk to you, Austin. It's really good to to meet you, and uh, yeah, I look forward to to seeing more work from you soon. Yeah, Thanks, we'd guys. love to have you back after you do something more awesome too. Yeah, dude. Yeah, happy we to. Just it. let me know when and where. I uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, so it, it, it was. It was great to talk to you, and good to meet you. Yeah, definitely. Right. I'll let you get back to your family. Thank you so much for your time, Austin. All right, guys. You have a fantastic weekend. Right. Good morning, Brian Wayne here to tell you about my new podcast, The Real Brains. The Real Brains podcast is a show coming out daily, dedicated to the everyday struggle of just the average human being. From troubles with rage to uh, anecdotes about uh, very strange human interactions, this podcast really is just a... uh, somebody that's all too familiar with the struggle i'm here to let you know that you are not alone so come laugh at uh, our pain together every single weekday every place you can catch a podcast check out the real brains with brian wayne remember stay sane